0: Okay, hey, welcome all mishpatin 5783. You know, I look through my, I went back on tour anytime. There's literally Sherm from like 2007. It's been a long time. Wait, I guess crazy. And uh and there's and every time you look at the parsha, you um there like there's, there's there's so much to talk about. You can talk about one tiny little thing. Anyway, for all of those listening somewhere online, you too can have the source material, which used to be every single solitary week, but now it's occasionally because I'm busy with my course, but I'm starting next year, we'll hit it hard again. But this week we do have source material and a lot of source material. So you can get that by emailing me at estween at gmail. The first three letters of my name, Esther, i I'm sorry, Ween at gmail. Okay. Our class today is dedicated by Tanya Hammer and the Zuchus of for her father, Yosef Aram Ben-Bela. He's okay, I think. Um, Varda, I mean, he has pneumonia, but could be worse. Varda Goertz, for her father-in-law Aaron Ben-Chanoch, Henoch's first yard by Eileen Friedman, for her mother-in-law's yard on Tubishva, Minabas Mina Bas, Nacham Isser, and Reza Liba. Aliza Leichtang, upon the shloshim of Esther Malka, Basvi, Aleva Shalom. Ruchi Ackerman, in honor of her grandsons, of the Shabbos, and the upcoming Chasna of Neftali and Aliza. Chaya, Parkov, you can all read this, Nishmas, Niki, Toys, and Nechama, Okay. Rifki Young Rice. Thank you. And of course, we've had a very hard couple of weeks in Eretz Yisrael, and everybody's seen, and we're actually going to address it, the strength and the approach of the Aveilim, the Mrs. Paley, and uh, of course there are others that, you know, she happens to lose two sons. So it's particularly poignant Poignant, and uh, there's lots of videos going around and see if I know how my ear spoke about it. The question that we're really actually gonna address today and it's directly in the Parsha, it's in fact the main concept of the Parsha is how do we find the strength and the perspective and the optimism to operate the way we do. And when I say we, I mean the Jewish people and all those influenced by the ideas and the teachings of the Jewish people who also have learned from our truths and also have found strength to operate in the in a way that's close, you know, similar to the way Amishol operates. How do we do it? Everybody looks around the same world and everybody sees different things. Some people see hatred, enemies, battles, blood. Celebration for murder, joy, right? they see, and then there's other people. Am um, looks around the world, and that's not what we see at all. So at Seely Schneider, my good friend, who's you know, the head of Kashidi, she went uh, to be Mrs. Play, who worked for her for nine years, and um and she said, you know, think about it, Buria lost two sons on Shabbos and didn't tell her husband. By the way, same thing here. And uh, her husband was not, it was uh, you know, also not, I think was in the coma or whatever, or was in, was not able to know. Anyway, Seely said, you know, when Buria lost those two boys, she said Hashem Nassan, Hashem gives and Hashem takes. And those two boys live on forever because the memory and the khizuk that they provide to everybody in this situation. And the fact that Rabbi Meir called Buria and Esha Chail. And the you know, and the the power of this, of and many, 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 many women after that, mothers after that, who had the capacity to say Hashem Nassan and Hashem Lachat. And I saw a video yesterday. How, you know, how do we see the world the way we do? So all these high school boys came to visit and they all said, unlike in, uh, in the Palestinian territories where they're having celebrations and trying to recruit more people to kill themselves, Okay. Uh, what happens is teenage boys come and they say, because of this, I'm not not that I'm gonna go to war. I'm not gonna be trained as a jihadist. No, they say, I'm gonna put on tefillin every day. I'm gonna be more careful with respecting my friends. I'm gonna be more careful to be honest. And everybody takes upon themselves something. How does it happen that we just operate differently and we see the world differently? Where does it come from? That's our question. And the answer is right in the beginning of Mishpatim. The first topic, that is presented after the description of Harsini in the beginning of mishpatim is all about slavery what happens when you have an evid what we'll call evid every and we're going to explain that term and what happens when you have an evid kanani? okay how does someone become an evid what happens if someone doesn't want to stop being an evid what's an evid kanani? how do they go free what what is the what what now the fact is that there is a machlokas We've learned about it in past years of when exactly these mitzvahs were given. Were they given before the Jews said Nasa and but they're just written after, or were they given right after? Either way, they are given in relationship to Harsini and to the Aserah So the way we're going to um, begin to understand the importance of the concept of slavery and the laws of slavery and how it has to do with Harsinah and how this helps us understand how we think, all right, and we're going to go into many layers, psha, remes, and drush, we're going to go deeper and deeper, and we're going to peel away the layers with the help of our Moshe Shapiro, of course, this is from Imam Makim, al um, we're going to get deeper and deeper into the concept, until we get to the core idea, the core forces, the core Malachim, so to speak, or forces that God created that determine how we're going to see things, Okay, and our bechira, of course, which is involved with that. So here's the halacha we're going to analyze, and we're going to start going deep into it. The halacha is in Shamos, in our in our parsha regarding a evid kanani. We're going to get to an evid very soon. The kiyaka ish es ein avdo. If somebody knocks out harm somehow intentionally, not if they're trying to do a surgery and help them, but if someone intentionally wounds their slave's eye. Or their female slave's eye. Okay. And that what happens? Okay, what happens is that slave goes free. Why? Because of their eye. Tahas Eno, because they lost their eye. That's why they go free. They don't have an eye anymore. Next pasak, the Imshain Abdo. And if the tooth of his male or female servant will fall out, okay, they knock it out. The chavshi will also go through. Why? because on account of their tooth. Now there's obviously layers and layers here. Okay, why are these the two organs? And the tooth isn't even exactly an organ. The two, you know, body parts that if they're damaged, the person's no longer a slave. By the way, let's just mention when we talk about slavery in the Torah, it is almost impossible to associate it with how the world thinks about slavery and how the world conducted themselves you know when they were slaves we're talking about a situation just to review briefly the only way a person becomes a slave okay a jewish slave is if they they were so poor and they stole and they can't pay back the money so they pay off their debt or they're so poor they can't even support themselves. So they sort of become an a, a indentured servant. They go work for someone and that person provides everything for them until the sixth year. How does a non-Jew ever end up in biblical biblical times as a slave? Perish the thought that there ever was such a possibility that human beings will go to other countries and kidnap people with the help of their own brethren, okay, which happened in Africa. Who do you think ca- gathered up the Blacks in Africa, and sold them, okay, so everybody's complicit, except the victims, obviously, but there's no such thing as going and stealing someone, kidnapping someone, and then selling them, that's when the Eser Zedibros, that's of Misa, that's not even the, what we're talking about, we're talking about that there was a war, all wars that took place in biblical times were justified, either they were, Israel was attacked, or they were the Shiva Amim, which we're going to learn about that, uh, the Canaanim. And they were given three options when the Jews came to Israel, which was their birthright. And they said, listen, you can keep the basic seven mitzvahs that all humanity is meant to keep. Simple. Don't, don't serve false gods, which leads to all sorts of bizarre rituals. Okay. Don't curse the real God. In other words, don't kill, steal, and commit adultery, don't torture animals, respect animals, you can't rip a limb off a living animal. And you're not allowed to have anarchy, you have to set up a fair and court justice system. That's what we're asking, basic civilization. And if they refuse to agree, because that was not their culture, and they like to kill people for their gods, and etc, cetera, etc, cetera, and do all sorts of other stuff. They, um, if they did not agree, they could leave. They could pick up and leave, but if they refused to leave and refused to abide by the basic laws of civilization, then the Jews fought them. And if they won them, well, what would happen is they effectively winning means you knock out their army, which in the olden days means you knock out their actual physical men, not their machines or their cyber stuff. And then you have a bunch of women and children. What do you do with them? So the Jewish people took them in, they brought them in and they were treated, we will read the laws of slavery, with extreme care. There's many, many laws. If someone even knocked out a tooth or an eye, got damaged, that was it. They're out forever. And by the way, when they're out forever, where are they supposed to go? You got to take care of them. Then they're, if they're keeping the sheva mitzvahs, they're a ger you got to take care of them. You got to provide for their needs. Okay. So one, one, so, um, we take questions at the end. So the question here is what's really the deeper layer of this two body parts, the eyes and the teeth that free a person from slavery forever? By the way, this only applies to Eved Kanani, okay? which we'll understand. So Rabbeinu Bachia, there's a lot of talk on the chat now of learning Chovus Vavos and Shara HaBitachon, that's Rab, that's Rabbeinu Bachia Ibn Pakud. This is what's called Rabbeinu Bachaye ben Usher. Not the same. Don't get confused. Okay. So here's where it all starts. Vayar cham. Remember that right after the Mabel? And Ham saw with his eyes. Who's Ham, by the way? People miss this all the time. It's so bizarre. Vayar cham Avi canaan. He's constantly called the father of Canaan. He had four children. One of them listed. The fourth one was Canaan. And this is this is his name. Ham Avi Canaan. Okay. So Ham Avi Canaan saw ervas of his father's nakedness remember the story after the marble but and he spoke to his brothers outside the tent okay so you already see the deeper hints here this is we're going to the level of remez the hints and we're going to go into drush the explanation rabbi says okay this is a source the, the source of the biblical law of knocking out an eye or a tooth if that happens the person is free the reason people Canaanim Ham is called the father of Canaan. The reason that there was even slavery in the world, a particularly associated with Canaan, okay, is because of a tooth and an eye. Because of Ham, the father, the father, okay, he is the he was first guilty with his eyes by looking and interpreting the situation in a very degenerate way. Right, you've all learned about it. He looks at his father, he wants to castrate him or whatever, whatever the story is. And then with his mouth or his teeth, he makes words and he talks about it. Okay, so what are we saying? Simple, this is just the beginning of the conversation. Once these two organs that led a person to operate in this sort of way, okay, to, in a degenerate way, in a real, you know, like just self-serving hedonistic aggressive way what we call survival mode once those two organs have sort of been smitten they've been punished or they've been they've been um they've been what's the word they've been um damaged damaged that's it you're released from the curse let's go deeper okay how do we get to the eye and the tooth the teeth that make words right How do you get to the eye and the teeth as the source of sin? How do you get it wrong and how do you get it right? There's a lot in Torah about seeing correctly and speaking correctly. How does using the eye and the speech wrong make you into a slave? Okay. And how does damaging your, so to speak, eye and your tooth get you out of slavery? So obviously when we talk about human slavery, that a person works for another person, it means that they're not free. They are the, they must obey someone else's commands. That's called a slave. So let's define slave. A slave is someone who is not free to exercise their own self-expression. They must follow someone else's rules whether they like it or not. Okay, now a slave also is not a regular worker. They're not getting paid for it. They are forced into this situation or they have ended up in this situation, okay. So let's go really deep. See, all human beings are in this same predicament. Kabbalistically, we're going deep now into the deeper layers. Our self-concept as a human being must be accurate. Otherwise we mess everything up. (laughs) And that's the biggest tragedy in the world to get life wrong, all right. The Jewish uh, Torah, I would say the Torah, um um the torah view on the context of a person's life okay the muscle we always use because it is the muscle god uses you know this the baby and the mother we talked about it last week it creates two dynamics i'm part of something i'm included in something someone else takes care of all my needs i am just sit here and receive and i just I'm just at the receiving end of the overflow of everything upon me. I make no decisions for myself. I take no responsibility for myself. I just sit here and receive. It's passive. Okay. Of course, it's the source of love. You're included. You're cared about. You're safe. The other dynamic it, is that there is this separation between the mother and the baby. And that represents the concept called Gavura that Hashem, so to speak, holds back. And we don't see, it's concealed. We don't see what we're part of. And that gives us mechira, self-expression, ani, I, autonomy. And that is not passive at all. That is active. That is a person taking initiative and expressing themselves and, and driving themselves forward and learning and growing and inventing and contributing and putting their impact in the world. Two very separate Uh, forces Freud identified them very clearly but Freud didn't make them up you know his great grandparents were Torah scholars too and they're totally built into our Torah vision he called it the life wish and the death wish or the life instinct or the life drive and the death drive there's a drive to express yourself also called the sex instinct right the sex drive to express yourself but he also talked about a death wish just passivity whatever happens let it go Psychologists talk about this all the time. Half the time, we're trying to get back into the womb and feel secure, and somebody else should take care of us, and we should be passive and let go of the responsibility. And other people should make decisions for us. And half the time, we aggressively want to establish, you know, get out there and, you know, make sure that what we want, you know, we we uh, we um we we follow after that. You know, we push ourselves towards accomplishing that. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. The, the, we got to get the, we have to get the dynamic, right? There is truth to the fact that on one hand, we want to have a certain experience, like a evid, like a slave. It's not my job to figure anything out. You just tell me what to do. You just give me my food. I'll just do whatever you say. I don't have to think for myself. I don't have to plan for myself. I don't have to set a whole like vision for myself. It's okay. I'm being treated nicely. Right. In Torah, you know, and add the way this was this uh the way the laws were set up. So it's okay. I don't have to take action. It's okay. I'll just do what you tell me to do as long as you take care of me and I'll be fine. On the other hand, most people, nobody lives like that forever. There's a inside a person, there's a sense of self and self-expression. So how do we get it right and how do we get it wrong? Seeing. Yes, we see, seeing looks around the world and you take in all sort of stimuli that's coming from outside of you. Correct seeing is seeing the physical world, but also a deeper level of seeing and understanding, which is even though I'm looking around the physical world, everything I see is part of something much greater and I want to keep that in mind. So when I see things, I see things from the perspective of the fact that they are in Hashem's world and they're teaching me something about God and about Hashem and about how I should behave. For example, we see the way animals conduct themselves. So we, I don't know when it was written, but shira I should really look that up. Shira was written. It describes what we learn from all the animals about morals and ethics and good character traits, what we can learn from the animals. So we see things, but we see them. What can I learn? What does this teach me about how I should behave? What does this teach me about how I something about Hashem? So that's one way of seeing. The other way of seeing is looking around passively and saying, whatever stimuli, okay, uh, you know, you know, happen to sort of, um, you know, uh, affect me, I'm just going to react to them. That's like a slave. I will react to whatever stimuli, you know, generate an urge. Basically, I don't make my own decisions. Whatever stimuli out there happen to me, I react. I'm a slave to my my urges. I'm a slave to my whims. I'm a slave to whatever tells me what to do. Yeah, we're going to get to there. So the negative aspect of slave, the question was, aren't we supposed to be called slaves? So that's what we're distinguishing now. The negative aspect of being a slave, not just a physical slave is just an example. On a deeper level, everybody could be a slave if they let other forces dictate what they do. That's a slave. You don't make your own decisions. You let whatever stimuli affect you generate urges and then we follow them. And that's it blindly like dogs, like Pavlovian dogs. So that is the concept called a slave. Eyes are not, the eyes are looking around, but they're not looking around with a proper context. They don't see the bigger picture. They see the very small picture and they see what's, what's immediately in front of them and what leads to immediate pleasure. And then they react, that's called being a slave. That's misuse of the eyes. How do we misuse the mouth? How does that work? Okay. The mouth, uh, if you're in C, the mouth is speech. That relates not to the passive, you know, in the womb, whatever happens, happens, which right? the right. The speech is the second half. I want to express myself. I want to say how I see things. I want to put my thoughts, my intentions, my plans out there. I want people to listen to how I lead them. Speech is the opposite. It's the drive to take control. In fact, if you look down to forty 47.4, Yadber Amim Tachtenu, Nations Yadbear from Dibor will follow our lead, okay? Um, the English isn't so good here. Yadber means Hanhaga, it means leadership, it means guidance, it means getting up there and talking and setting a vision and inspiring and making a plan and leading people. So our speech, could be right and our speech could be wrong right speech is leading people in to greater enlightenment and understanding and into you know better and approaching things with a in a way that builds people what's negative speech okay negative speech is that um a person or the speech of a slave the speech of a slave is uh i'm going to two him here we're going to look at that um What is the speech of a slave they first of all the speech of a slave is about getting their needs met okay and the speech of the slave is basically reiterating what the master wants there's no self in a slave there's no self-expression there's not allowed to be all of north korea are slaves and there's no freedom of speech and so was russia the same way you can't talk you're not allowed to do anything of your own you're being watched and you've got to do everything from the government, right? So here's where it all starts. We started out going all the way back to the origin. Remember, we did this in Bereshus before the Jewish people or while the Jewish people are accepting the Torah, Moshe tells them their backstory. How did we get here? What are we committing to? How are we going to be different than all the other ways societies have been up till now? Well, you know what? First, you get the story of Cham Avi Kanan, which And we talk about the idea that, you know, what makes you a slave because Canaan, by the way, Nacham, which means warm, Canaan was cursed. If you look in the Pesachim, it was Canaan that was cursed, you know, and you know why that's important to know? Because guess who else is related to Canaan? Mitzrayim and comes from Canaan and all the seven nations come from Canaan. So we were being told the people you're going to have to deal with they have been they have been told that they're slaves you know what that really means because matriarchin was not a slave surprise we were the slaves okay but the point is that they operate as you know as a slave operates meaning every impulse every instinct every stimuli in survival mode is what generates their choices and all they talk about is they're getting their needs met and how they should you know and reiterating and parroting the messages that they you know that that are all for the service of making sure that um that um you know they're justifying justifying and explaining and making sure that they can that they can um live their life in you know exactly as they want to pursuing these you know survival mode needs this is their speech look at the source after after uh, when we get back, going back to the beginning, we learned about Ham, right? Aviknan. But what led to the model Watch this. They started looking around. We're not going deep into this. And they saw things the way they wanted to see him. And they acted upon their impulses and their urges. And of course, It was women that were the first to be the victims and they just did whatever they wanted, particularly with women, but it says also with men and also with animals and it was because they were let themselves see things like that out of context out of the bigger context and what happens with the other big society that had to be disrupted says they all spoke the same way groupthink speech control. No freedom of speech. Everybody had to a, had a talk the party line, which was, by the way, Nimrod's agenda, okay? Which, um, just to, to digress on Nimrod for a second, after the Mabel and after Ham ben Canaan, uh, so you already see that human character remains the same after the Mabel. The story of Migdal Bavel, and these are all very important stories because Moshe is coming to tell the people, this is the way society's malfunction. This is the way governments go down. These are corrupt governments. This, all this stuff is what we're not doing. We're doing something new, okay? What happened with Nimrod, he was the first recorded to weaponize Avodah Zarah, idol worship or worship of nature. Everybody wanted to get their needs met, right? So they were trying to keep the, what they thought were the gods happy. Okay, at least they're trying to relate to the gods. Nimrod came around and he said, oh, Something new has happened. I have been given the right to rule by the authority of the gods. So you need to keep me happy because I'm their representative. That story was so good at just like everybody jumped on it. Paro jumped on it. Everybody jumped on the whole concept. Like I am God's chosen one. Therefore, by the way, the whole European monarchy till the 1700s until finally the philosophers started asking by what right do you rule? And the whole thing by divine right didn't go over so much anymore. Okay. In any case, by Dor HaFlugah, everybody spoke the party line. So you're seeing already hints in the Torah that what makes a person a slave and ultimately what makes a person not capable of managing their own society or their own government or managing their own life properly, they end up obviously going, they're going to be uh, overcome by people who do see things in a broader perspective, and can speak about higher aspirations, slaves always end up enslaved. Okay, so um, these are the these are the sources. All right, um, these are the sources that are built in hints to the concept of how what it how one becomes enslaved and why it's associated with your eyes and your speech. So we started out with the law. As if somebody's a slave, now all non Jewish slaves, okay, be, uh, or fell under the category of what's called an Eved Kanani. So, Kanan was the seven nations. Those were the actual nations that the Jews interacted with, obviously, and that they had actual battles with back in the day. And those are the people that would become in the, you know, would be brought into the households of the Jewish people, generally the women and the children. And of course, once they were in the households, they learned about they had to keep Shabbos. They didn't work on Shabbos. Not the anybody, not even the animals. You realize that you couldn't have your dog go out and pick up the paper for you on Shabbos. Even your dog can't work for you on Shabbos. Everybody gets a day of rest. Okay, so, so, um, so, uh, or anything that you can't do, your 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 animals, your your all your household workers, everybody gets Shabbos. So it was a big upgrade also in lifestyle in any case um what happens so now we understand if a master knocks out a tooth or an eye that's it tikkun kapara it's good the 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 body part that's associated philosophically with the problem has been neutralized that's what's really going on here if you don't see with their slave eyes anymore and you don't see with your and you don't speak slave Latin, you know slave uh conversation anymore you're free if you if, if we can manage if the torah can manage to undo to protect a person to give a person tools so they don't see with slave like eyes which is i'm just going to react to whatever stimulates me i'm just going to react to whatever happens to me i don't have a mind of my own i am just in the grip of everything in every everybody around me everything around me if the torah can provide a strategy to save us from that okay to protect us from that that's that's getting us out of slavery now the whole original jewish story is getting us out of slavery if the torah can give us a way to speak about greater things and how do i get my needs better how do i keep the master happy and how do i not get the thought police to knock on my door and put me in prison Okay, so I have to watch what I say all the time, by the way, in the world today, with everybody being canceled and everything, you could say the thought police are out in force. Right. So um, so the Torah wants to give us a way of speaking that's higher than that. And that's what it says in. um, And that's I'm going to skip to D here. Okay, that is what we're going to learn in the Torah that uh oh look then we're going to jump ahead actually to actually to e okay this is what it says in Pirke avos that the luchot the ten commandments are on the Luchos. it says they were charut they were engraved on the luchos this is famous the Pirke avos says don't read it charut read it wasn't that the ten commandments were engraved The word charut is really reference the word heros, freedom. The only way a person becomes free is if they busy themselves with the lessons of the Torah. That is the way you can extricate yourself from seeing and speaking in what can only be defined as a slave mentality. Okay, so now go back to, we're going to go back to our parsha. Okay, what happens? Let's say in the Jewish nation, okay, um, there's a person that's poor and they just can't support themselves. So they want to basically move into someone's household and be their Eved. Um, The Torah allows for that, because what do you do? You know, you know, you have to give people, people have to be able to support themselves. Now, today, we don't do that. We have a trillion chesed organizations and everybody donates money. So everybody basically has a place where they can sort of get their needs met. But obviously, you can imagine that living in someone's household has some benefits for someone who's alone and poor and can't even provide for themselves or for their child but it also has some deficits because it's, it's demeaning, no matter how beautifully they're treated, it's still demeaning and they are treated. If a person finds themselves in such a situation where they stole and they can't pay back and they only stole because they're poor or they can't support themselves. If a person finds themselves in such an unfortunate situation that they have to be join someone else's household and sort of do some work for them, they have to be treated like gold. You know that, you know, if there's one pillow, the so-called slave gets it. If there's white flour and black and black flour, meaning whole wheat and refined, which in those days the white was called more, you know. So the, the slave gets the good flour, gets the bread made out of the white flour, not the junky whole wheat stuff. <laughs> and, you know, and the by the way, the so-called slave could only be employed doing only what they were trained to do. So let's say they were trained to. Um, you know, so they were trained to um, be a plumber. That's all they could do. You can't even have them run in front of you and carry your books for you. They were treated like gold, but nevertheless, it was demeaning and it was not the situation that anybody should be in. Okay, so the look at the Pesukim in Dalid. Hashem says they must go free after the sixth year or really means the sixth year of the Jewish cycle, meaning they go through every seventh year is called Shemitah. Even if they came in a year before, they go out the next year, um, they got to go out. Why? Look at the Pasuk that's in bold. Because they're my of the servants, Hashem says. I took them out of Mitzrayim to teach them that they are not meant to be enslaved to other people's interests, whims, needs. Only They're only meant to be Avadim to me. They are not meant to ever be slaves. It's a terrible thing in God's eyes. We don't like this. Sometimes it's okay, but they must go out. Now, what does it mean to be slaves to Hashem? As soon as we say the word Evid, our mind jumps to the African slaves, who were first of all kidnapped, which is again, let me reiterate this, kidnapped. This is a, this is in the 10 commandments. It is a violation. It brings a death penalty. That's very important to understand. Totally forbidden for all humanity to ever do such a thing. This okay, that's number one. Number two, number two, we still think about kidnapped. We think about the black slavery situation, which lasted a very long time, unfortunately. And uh, what do we think about? They had no rights. They were treated like worse than animals. They were raped if they were women. They were beaten. They were killed at whim. They had no property. like we. And that's what we think of because that unfortunately was what slavery was. But when we talk about the Torah, we're talking about a different universe. They have to get the pillow and the good bread and they can't do anything practically. And they have to go free and you can't even knock out their tooth. You know how many slaves died just being whipped to death? You know, it's it's so radically different. And by the way, according to the Torah, if a slave runs away from their master, because the master is not treating them like gold, <laughs> but if a slave is being mistreated and runs away from their master, it is forbidden to return them. If somebody returns them there, it's a penalty of death. You can't return a slave. So you remember um, Margaret Tubman and the Underground Railway? In Torah, in our society, Harry Tubman, yeah. In our society, if somebody left, that's it. They're out. Gone. The end of story. You can't bring them back. They have to hide to escape. They could leave, and nobody was allowed to return them. Okay, so it's a different universe. However, when we talk about slaves, we always just jump to that because that's our association. So first of all, we have to make a very clear distinction about what slavery was, what avdus was. Now, what do we mean that we're slaves to God? It means that. We are subjecting our eyes to see things God's way correctly, that we exist within the greater reality of Hashem. And that everything in this world also does, and every animal and the entire environment, and every person. And therefore, everybody is seen as a a person who has a godly image. That's the we we make sure we sub, we, we commit our eyes to see things that way. So our eyes are affected, right, by what we see. We do have someone else's agenda, but it's God's agenda. And that's the way we see things. And speech, of course. We speak about these truths. We speak about the higher realms. We speak about what, it, what a human being could be. We don't just waste their words on getting you know, talking about, you know, petty things. And about getting our needs met, it's much bigger. That's why a person is meant to talk about Torah all the time. Always have words of Torah on their lips because they're talking about a higher, something, you know, something much more elevated. So we are servants in that we've committed. We've, like my grandfather used to say, handcuffed ourselves to God, seeing things Hashem's way, talking Torah way. We've handcuffed ourselves and thrown away the key, so we're we're stuck like a slave. But it's very, very different okay now um look what happens here okay what happens if the slave says it's so good here I don't want to leave can you imagine there's a law that the slave doesn't want to leave what do you do <laughs> a Jewish slave doesn't want to leave all right now a non-Jewish slave does not get set free because if you set them free they they likely go back to their over their 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 that whole lifestyle which is not something we 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 want to uh you know, facilitate, but but an, a Jewish slave in those days um, says, okay, I don't want to leave, go figure. So what happens, there's a whole protocol that's very interesting. You take the slave to a doorpost. What does that remind you of? Mitzrayim. And you put their ear on the doorpost and then you make a puncture so that they bleed a little bit. What is this all symbolizing? We're in the level of remez here. And now we go to Drush. What is this all symbolizing? What's happening? Why is the ear being brought to a doorpost and there's a little blood being drawn? Ears don't bleed. A drop of tiny blood like when you get your ear pierced. Mm-hmm. Why? So first of all, you see us blood on the doorpost. Do you remember I literally took you out of slavery? You want to be in slavery? No, this is not what we do. But I can't, obviously a person is entitled, they can they wanna stay, they can't support themselves, whatever it is, they're entitled to. But the message is that you're getting it all wrong. I took you out of slavery. Remember the doorpost with the blood and you got, you left in the trial, you're going back in, that's not what you're supposed to do. And the ear, two things, the ear that heard me say, do not steal. And the ear that heard me say, I am your God, do not be slaves to other people. Let's go deeper. The ear that heard do not steal, but the poor person, obviously, if they stole, it's because they were so poor. So what's the deeper meaning here? What's being stolen? What's really being stolen when somebody opts to be a slave, to not express themselves, to not have the freedom to see things through their master's eyes, to speak about what their master wants. What's being really stolen? (laughs) <laughs> our free choice our self-expression as a human being is being stolen we're in a way kidnapping ourselves we're, we're stealing ourselves away from Hashem and we are we are giving up the this this fundamental you know drive which is a godly drive of self of self-expression if we don't express ourselves if people every time somebody doesn't get to express themselves the world stagnates by the way one of the good the 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 reason why the youth, okay, don't like to listen to adults and they think they're right. You realize that if they all just listened to what we said, the world would never, never move forward because they just do things the way we did. And we did like our parents and the world would literally be like back in the 3000 years ago. It's because they don't listen and they want to come up with new ideas. Okay. So the deeper idea here is this is not good. No, no, we are emphasizing that the Torah is the is bringing the opposite into the world. It's bringing the concept that you are part of something, but you're channeling it your way. And do not tamper with that. Do not sabotage that. And this is why the laws of slavery come right away because the Matan Torah, the Torah gives us the freedom. Rabbeinu B'chaya goes deeper. He says, it calls the Jew, Jewish slave, he goes, we're not, when was the last time we're called Ivrim? That Moshe said to Paro Elokeha, Ivrim, but we're Yisrael. We became Yisrael at Harsinai. I think I have that in one in here. They became, we became known as Yisrael, which comes from the root sar, which means officer, right? Like not the slave, but the one who can express themselves and sets the path. Okay. So we became Yisrael at Harsinai. You're going back to Ivri you're going back to every don't go back to every okay why doesn't it say Kitikna Evid stole it should but it says Kitikna every Ivory. because every is a reference to that and why do you take it to the door the dellet and why is a delet called a door Dalid Dalid okay you know when you see an X Y chart up and down like the basic parameters the Dalid, the dellet the confines, of the four, you know, basic um, dimensions. The point here is that, Rabbeinu Bahai you can read it for yourself, is that um, we are, we are, the, the slave is opting to live in these confines, okay, as opposed to in a much more expansive, expansive life. Oh, yes, uh, I have it on E2, that we were not called Yisrael, okay, until Sinai, all right? So let's let's do um so let's add one more layer to this dynamic that comes from our inclusion and our separation, our passivity and wanting to be taken care of, wanting to be told what to do, wanting to be guided, wanting to be given instructions and following them, which we could do in a positive way as an evid Hashem, or in a negative way as a human evid. And also the other part of it, self-expression and right. There is, the Gemara and says, why did Amishol get the Torah? Mipnei ma nitzna Torah l'Yisrael. Mipnei azin. <laughs> because they're impudent. They are aggressive. They are, they are, you know, pushy. <laughs> In other words, the Kodesh Baruch who said, based on their nature and character, these Jews are fit to be given a fiery law, a hard and scorching faith. Okay, meaning that we are um, we are a people that naturally emphasizes, this is the Gemara, that part of our dynamic, our predicament that self that we want to express ourselves. And we want to, we have in us, remember, the baby only has one inflow, which is the umbilical cord, which means in the sham, which means whatever is in the sham is flowing into us. So the two aspects. Okay, that on the one hand, we're part of a Kodesh Baruch Hu. So we like that. We want to be told what to do. And that's great. On the other hand, we got that Selma that creator energy. When Hashem says, this is what I want, then that's what I want. And nobody stands in the way. So we want that too. So the Torah is going to balance that for us. It's going to humble Am Yisrael, Meaning it's going to put that drive in on the proper path. You can express yourself, but in the right context. So Amishol gets the Torah because we're very driven. And we're very, want, we want to express ourselves. We want to say what we want, right? And yet it has to be channeled. But we also know in Yevamos, right? Famous, that Amishal has another character trait, which goes much more to the passive side by Shanim. We we're, we have mercy, we're, we have um, Abusha, right? We have, um we have, uh, what's the shape? We, you know, humility. We have gumilas chasadim. So which one is it? Is it this humility and this sort of taking a step back and compassion and sort of mercy? Or is it this aggressive, you know, forging forward? These are both forces that come from this predicament, this this connection, separation, reality. And they're both, they're both. So we have, you know, when a person, the the part of us that that relates to Evet Hashem, being an evet to Hashem has to be the eye. We thought think about it as the eye and the mouth, meaning we see things, we let Hashem's perspective influence us. We are told we like to know what the mitzvahs are, we like to be told what to do, we like to be taught how to think correctly. And we have, and with that, we have busha, we have the sense of humility. We don't know everything. Hashem, you know, we need to learn. At the same time, speech. Is meant to express ourselves and express ourselves in context, correct context, and we channel those, you know, the the the, the truths and the beauty that come from a our way, and um, and that's we commit ourselves that that will be our speech. That we're enslaved. We make sure that this is what we talk about. Only this. This is the primary way we talk. This is a decision. Okay. When you go and look at what's going on and the way it's handled in Troll. the capacity to see things differently, the capacity to um, keep our eye on the bigger picture, the capacity to speak words of encouragement and comfort and optimism, all within the greater times. It's really miraculous. It's an unbelievable thing that you're we're watching and we've watched it many times over. It doesn't fade, it doesn't get weaker. And so what we're saying is that fundamental to accepting the Torah is understanding that the Torah primarily above all things is to extricate human beings from becoming slaves. And I don't just mean literal slaves. And to give us the freedom of, and to empower our eyes and empower our speech. And and if we find that we get stuck our eyes are seeing things wrong. We're letting everything influence us, and our speech is speaking about the wrong things. What does the Torah tell us? As soon as the eye or the or the tooth is damaged, you're out. You're free. Oh, I ended up with this last thing. Very important. G. Kal v'chomer from brachas. We get a kal from the tooth and the eye. This is very deep. Just like a tree, an eye, and a tooth, which is only one little organ, right? A person gets free from their slavery, forever. Yisurin. But when a person suffers, and their eye sort of begins to shift in how they see things, and they their speech begins to shift, Yisurin Kol Gufo. So that cleans it really cleanses the entire body of a person. How much more so? meaning Yusurim, when a person suffers, it, what happens is they realize, most people realize all these things that I let influence me, they're petty, stupid, finite things that are here today, gone tomorrow. It's all gonna be forgotten. I don't want, what's more important? The things I talked about, the things I valued, they're petty. So serum often help a person reorient. And uh, that's the Kavachomer. So are the Yusurim, we shouldn't know Yusurim anymore but uh, they certainly put a person in a whole other place. And that in itself is um, is an advantage. And of course that trickles down to us and we get the chizok from seeing seeing that happening. All right, everybody. Yes, we're gonna take a few questions. Yes, go ahead. Hulin? Where am I too? Where am I, in C or D? Where am I? Oh, in E. Yes. they. We were not called in Israel until, the main thing is, until we stood at Har Sinai. That went from Eved, Ivri, Ivri, to Yisrael. That's a change of status. Um, oh, oh, oh. The, yeah, the switch from Yaakov to Israel. Oh. Yeah, they were talking about the name switch. Okay, everyone, yes. I'm so confused because Cham had multiple boys. Yes. Yeah. Correct. By the way, this is so important. You know, people make such mistakes about slavery because Cham, which means warm, this is very important to understand. Today in modern Hebrew, okay, the word Cham is brown. Okay. So because Cham was, who was the father of Canaan, was involved in this sin of the eye and the mouth. And then Noah says, your son Canaan is a slave, which is telling the Jewish people, the people you're going to meet, the, Canaanim, the Canaanites, you got to understand where they're coming from and you got to know who you're dealing with. All Like we said, also Mitzrayim. However, the association was made because cham means brown and... Canaan was cursed to be a slave. And by the way, you can always get yourself out of slavery. Remember, we have a sheer called about Eliezer how to get you can act out of slavery anytime, right? Okay. So um, so now the association made that must be the brown people or the bl- Africans are cursed because of Ham. Honestly, the Torah doesn't talk about Ham being cursed. It's only Canaan. And I hate to say it Canaan had Mitzrayim, and we were the slaves, not the Mitzrayim. And then the Canaanim. Were, was he the only one that was born at the time? That no, was, there were four sons. Right, so why did he get the punch Why not? did be? Because I think what it's saying is, the Torah is telling us that the, the, he's a the father of the seven nations that surrounded Israel, that we would have to contend with. And the Torah wants us to know how they operate. And this is where they get their, their MO from, mm-hmm. from Ham, the father, and this whole attitude, and this whole survival mode. That's what defines the Kanaan. But it could affect and, the other sons of which? Nimrod was from them. He was a big boss. No, yeah. Hava also, she's with her eyes. And yes, her mouth. yes. Somehow we didn't hear. Yeah, yeah, but it it, we, it it comes back in in stages in after the marble, also with touch, also with taste, with and not with smell. Just not with smell, and and also hearing. All all four, just not smell. All right, everyone, I'm going to end the recording, but I'm going to leave on the meeting, okay?